0: Welcome to Try This at Home with Leslie and Leslin, A podcast that offers you tips and
1: tricks for solving problems, increasing happiness, and creating a better life.
0: Hi, this is Leslin from Try This at Home. Are you a perfectionist? Do you get easily frustrated and quit before things are finished? Leslie convinced me to have this conversation because... I have a long list of projects that I started, and they're still there waiting for me. If you can relate, grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and listen in. Hi, Leslin. Hi, Les. How are you?
1: Good. I am just so glad that neither one of us have any perfectionistic tendencies.
0: Yeah. I mean... (laughs) I I can't you know I can't even say that. I really I my there's something in my soul that prevents me from even acknowledging that as a possibility. Although I have to tell you I I really think of myself these days as a recovering perfectionist.
1: I wish someday I'll get to the
0: recovering part. Yeah.
1: <laughs> not yeah, you're not
0: forty. You're not forty yet. I didn't even start working on it until I was forty, probably. So, yeah. you know, there's some advantages to being a perfectionist, but it it really does clog, clog the wheel. It absolutely
1: does. Yeah. yeah. In really stupid ways, I think i i will I will admit that probably the this is just ridiculous. I know it's ridiculous. So I used to work in the scrapbooking industry and I was, had a great job when I was really young and I was a buyer's assistant. So I, I got to go and be really immersed in that, uh, in that hobby and I love scrapbooking. I love memory keeping. I love keeping pictures, the whole nine yards. And my my best friend, Amy, is insanely talented at scrapbooking. She just has such an eye for everything and her colors and fonts and pattern paper that she picks out is just, it, it's, she's really the best scrapbooker that I that I know. And because I don't feel like I can make pages that look as perfect as hers, I often don't want to do it at all. I would rather... I would rather do nothing than do something that to me isn't perfect, which is just so silly. I have, I have sort of gotten over that a little bit just because at the end of the day, doing this for my kids is more important, but that was more, of, more so before I had children, but it definitely still sticks in my mind.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think there's... And I didn't read the book. I did read a summary um, and I have looked at some of your notes, but so I'm really going to depend on you to kind of lead us through the discussion of this book. But I want to say that as a recovering perfectionist, there's there's often, it's interesting that it only shows up in certain parts of my life. You know, last week we did a conversation about financial management and I talked about the dollhouse that my mother made me and I really grew up with this idea that something was better than nothing yeah having said that at the same time that something was better than nothing I could hear my mother saying if you're gonna do a job do it right and so I think for me, the perfectionism comes out when it, it means no mistakes. Right. Right. It, so it, it doesn't have to be, so you might say, well, that means perfect. And so, but it, it takes on kind of a whole different, or maybe it just a, it's a cousin to perfectionism because nobody's perfect, right? We know that. Right. What does John say
1: about it? Well, so it's funny because I remember exactly where I listened to this as an audiobook, and the author actually narrates the audiobook, which is my favorite kind of audiobook to listen to when the author actually does it. And I was actually in Harlan's shop when I listened to this. So it's been several years. Um, Hmm. And I remember listening to this thinking that this guy wrote this book just for me often I think people myself included mistake progress for perfection and that, you know, you're not, you're not making progress unless it's perfect or some Mm -hmm. variation theme. And I'm, I'm also most excited and interested in books that give sort of a pretty clear practical method for how to move forward. And Mm -hmm. that is what, Hundred percent, what this book is. So I would, I really, and it, it's also the kind of book that you you would listen to or read more than once. I think because both mm. habits are hard.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just going to kind of walk through the book. I think that's the best way to do it, and just give little, you know, quick overview of kind of each part of it or the parts that I think stand out the most to me. But I really would encourage people, if, if you have projects or if you have ideas that you just haven't finished or, you know, haven't started and certainly haven't finished, I, I really, really, really think this book is so, so valuable. Cool. So the first thing that he says is to just cut your goal in half. Because, and I think we talked about this before, the planning fallacy says that we're really, really, really optimistic. When we're looking towards future events, and, and we kind of underestimate how long they'll take to finish, yeah. or the resources that are going to be required, so probably right off the bat, it would be best if you cut your goal down in half, or maybe if not in half, into you know two-thirds or some more manageable piece. Just knowing knowing eyes wide open, going into it is going to take you longer than you think. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, and I actually I I I feel a little pushback on that because I find that for me it's just the opposite that I sit here and I lament on how hard it's going to be or how long it's going to take me, and and I don't do it because of that, Mm, right? And then when I do end up doing it, it it wasn't all that at all.
1: Well, I think that that could work in your favor, right? Because if you say, okay, well, I can't do this, but it, I could cut it in half and do it. And then when you're, mm-hmm. when you're doing the project and you're like, oh my gosh, I can totally do all of this. This is not going to yeah. take as long as, that, you know, I think sometimes we make it out to be harder than it is. And that's true too, for sure. I mean, yeah. I had a friend just post something on Instagram you know, really to that effect. And I'm going to pull it up here really quick. I I should have had this prepared, but she says, may I spend less time worrying about the things I quote unquote, have to deal with and more time dealing with those things. Fear is almost always worse than the work itself or the pain that comes with it. Yeah. How many times have we put off something for four months that ends up taking 10 minutes? (laughs) I I think it works both ways for sure. (laughs) Right. Okay, so that's the first part, right? Cut your goal in half. The next thing is choose what to
0: bomb.
1: This is a little less clear for me, but I, I definitely see what John is saying. You know, oftentimes we sort of attempt more than is humanly possible, and we fail, and or we know that we're going to fail if you know our, our goal is really really huge. So his suggestion is to choose what to bomb and succeed at the goal that matters. And one of the examples that he gave in here, which I would love to be able to choose this exact same thing to bomb, is he has decided that he is going to bomb at email. He cannot keep up on the other things in his life and be a great, you know, quick responder to email. So he Mm -hmm. has just decided, Email is going to be the thing that he bombs. He's not going to be very good at it. He's going to have, you know, he has the luxury of an assistant. So he's going to have his assistant do his email. He'll do what he can. He's going to bomb the email and succeed at the other stuff like, you know, writing books. Right. And so I I definitely think that that's a little bit of expectations there. We've talked about that, just making sure that we have appropriate expectations and if your expectation is that you're going to be able to do it all perfectly or all well i think maybe you need to adjust your expectations (laughs) yeah
0: you know it's interesting i i have a tendency uh, i've really been challenged with patience most of my life so my tendency is just to dive into something without a ton of forward planning And so my problem is, and the reason I have so many projects out there is because I just go ahead and dive into it. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, (laughs) A, I don't like this. B, this is way more than I thought it was going to be, and I'm not sure I would have started it had i known that right it's it's a little bit less about i can't do it perfect and more about reevaluating whether i want to do it or see you know i i just run out of steam for it you know like it's it sounds really good when i'm talking about it and then and it, yeah, I like kind of like when I was talking about the savings thing last week, and I said I put money in, an, in this envelope, and then after time goes by, I'm like, yeah, that's not very important. I want this thing now. Well,
1: but I think what you're saying is that you decided that you are finished. I think that's great. I'm going to use the example here to throw my father in law under the bus a little tiny bit. Okay, so yeah, my father in law is is just a you know jack of all trades kind of a guy, and uh, what that means is that he takes on a lot more than he can ever chew, and so he has a stack of—I'm going to say their DVD players, just to maybe kind of give him the benefit of the doubt—but I'm pretty sure they're VHS players in their basement that he was just going to fix. He was definitely going to get to it, and of course, he's not going to. And now people don't even really have DVD players <laughs> anymore because stuff is streaming. Let alone VHS, but. You know, I, I think if there's a project like that where you have decided, look, I am not interested in doing this anymore, deciding that you're ready to cut your losses and and actually stop and and either sell the art supplies or you know, do whatever you have to do, that is finishing to me. I don't think there's any I don't think that's a cop out. I don't think that's like, nope, once you start something, you have to finish it no matter what. If you have decided that you don't want to do something anymore, boom, you're done. You are finished. Move on. Focus your energy on the next thing.
0: Yeah, I I th- you're right. That's a good example. And cuz those probably make up a good portion of what's in my unfinished pile.
1: Right. Yes. Is things that you just have decided you're you're not going to do anymore.
0: Yeah. So maybe what you're saying to me is I have to give myself permission to let go of some need to finish that. That the perfectionistic part of me is the one that says, oh, you can't let go of it. You have to do it anyway. Right. Yes. Yes.
1: But you can. You can let it go and call it finished. And that's that's good. Because that's decisive, right? You're not just being wishy-washy. And I think there's, you know it's noble to be decisive. (laughs) All right. So there's that. Let's move on. Next one. This is pretty self-explanatory. I don't spend a lot of time on it, but it's worth saying. Make it fun if you want it done. If something is completely miserable, you're not going to want to do it. Case in point, I'm trying to teach my son that when I make him fold laundry or put, put their clothes on hangers, it's so much more enjoyable if you put a show on in the background and listen to the show or watch the show while you're doing the laundry. If you have a task that, you know, is just miserable or didn't break it down, make it fun. There's all kinds of ways to do that. I don't I don't think I have any other great examples right now other than the laundry thing. I mean, I will well, this is all crappy chores are made better if you listen to a podcast or an audiobook or watch something on the on TV
0: yeah that's totally i mean that's really true and i i kind of use that strategy toward procrastination more than i do with the perfectionism piece i wonder if that's what he's speaking to like i mean perfectionism sometimes is just not fun
1: yeah it isn't No, it's miserable. A lot of the times I've, I've come to embrace it because it's, it's who I am, but it it can definitely put you in a box. That's for sure. So, okay. Make it fun. If you can, noble obstacles are the, the next one. And boy, oh boy, this is totally me. All right. A noble obstacle. What is a noble obstacle? A noble obstacle is something that on the outside looks really, really good and like you're doing something good, but what it does is it prevents you from finishing something. A great example that John uses in the book is that you're going to go clean out your garage, right? Everyone needs Mm -hmm. to clean out your garage. Mm -hmm. But before I clean out the garage, I need to have a garage sale to get rid of the stuff that I don't need anymore. But the weather isn't going to be great this weekend. And I forgot to advertise. And I don't have the price stickers. So I need to look at the price stickers and advertise and wait for good weather. So I guess I'm not going to clean out the garage right now, even though I have the time to clean it out. Right. You know, that's something where your, your perfect idea in your head is that you're going to, you know, only put back in the garage exactly what needs to be put back there. Well, okay, that, that's like the perfect idea. But maybe the reality is you just need to take everything out, clean the garage, put back what you need to put back and create a pile on one side of the garage of the stuff you're getting rid of. It is not ideal. right? You're maybe going to have to have the garage sale in three more weeks when you have time again. But you, it didn't prevent you from your goal, which was cleaning out your garage. Right. We went through this with this, actually, with this exact same thing. We're getting a shed. And I thought, well, I guess I should just clean the garage out when we get the shed. There's no sense in doing this twice. That was a noble obstacle. In reality, it's better if I clean, for me anyway, it was better if I clean the garage out now, get things organized so that when the shed
0: arrives, we can just slide stuff in there and it's done. Yeah, you know, I, I remember, and I think I talked about this at, at some point, um, I remember 15 years ago making the decision or having this idea that I wanted to become an inspirational speaker. And at the time, I was, you know, I was a housewife. and I was a mom from New London, Pennsylvania. And I thought, nobody's going to take me seriously. I can't do that. Well, what do you need to do to do that? And because my brain always says, well, what do you need to do? And I thought, well, you need to finish your degree. And then, you know, you need to have some credentials. And then, and that's really what I think I explained what that's what sent me back to school. Yeah. And then somewhere along the line, my, my objective changed. But it's, it's very, very easy to say, well, I can't do that because of this. Yes. The only reason I finished my book and published it is because I let go of needing to have it be perfect. It is the only reason.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, you know, perfect is the enemy of done. It is better to just have it done and you can go back and edit or you can put out a, you know, version 2.0, but you're never going to get to 2.0 if you don't get to 1.0. Right.
0: And And I might add that I did just that. I think I put out version (laughs) 12.0 because (laughs) I kept finding mistakes. You know, I'd see a mistake and I'd fix it and then I'd upload the new version. And then I'd see another mistake and I'd fix it and I'd upload the new version. And that's easy today, right? It wasn't that easy 30 years ago when you were going to print each time.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, think about us. Think about if we hadn't started podcasting until we knew exactly what we were doing. I yeah. We still I don't know exactly what we're doing. doing.
0: <laughs> I know, I, but you know that's a really good point. We we you know we we have an idea. We think let's let's learn it on the fly. And if you're afraid of making mistakes, you can't do that. No.
1: And we made plenty of them. Oh my gosh! Holy cow! <laughs> And I feel like we start to get things down and they're like, well, here's a pandemic. Now you can't record in person anymore. Learn that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 another thing that he says is that what what's next always looks more interesting than what's now. And I think that's true for me. Oftentimes I'll get, especially with my work, I'll get inspired to create something or to do, I, I'll get an idea when I have ten percent left of something to finish, and it is so tempting just to oh, let me just start on this other thing, but that's one of those things that will derail you and prevent you from finishing. Just write it down and let that be a motivator for you to finish what you have so that you can move on to what's next
0: yeah and that's a that's a actually really good just a it's a good thing to keep point to keep in mind right just making sure that you're aware of what prevents you yes from going
1: okay so i have one more point but before we get to that let's take a quick
0: break hey everyone it's leslin one of our goals this year is to grow the podcast audience and you can help we would truly appreciate a share or a shout out if you found the ideas here helpful Don't forget, you can always touch base with us personally on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, trythisathomepodcast.com. All right. Okay. So I can't wait to hear this last thing. Yeah. This
1: is one that I struggled with so much and I didn't even know I was struggling with it because I didn't even know that it had a name until I read this book. And this is to get rid of secret rules, secret
0: rules. What's a secret rule?
1: So here is my secret rule. And I actually, I actually got rid of this one myself, but it was hard. Now I have a lot, now that I know that this exists and that I have a tendency to do this I am much more able to get over it. A secret rule says for me, oh, you like to read but you don't have a lot of time to actually put your eyeballs on a page. Well, audiobooks aren't reading. So you can't you can't do that because that's not really reading. That's listening. So mm. that's ridiculous. That is so stupid. Why would I ever think that I, you know, I prevented myself from listening to audiobooks for a while because I thought it wasn't real reading. Okay, well, I am not really reading if you if your definition of reading is just, you know, again, scanning your eyeballs across the page, but I had a I have a lot of time in the car, I have a lot of time when I'm doing mundane tasks, and so audiobooks fit really, really nicely into my life. I'm still I'm still Thing out of it. I'm still, you know, hearing the story or listening to the advice that I get from books. But my reading increased tenfold when I let go of the rule that said I could only read an actual physical book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a really good example for this. You know, a few years ago, I picked up painting as a hobby. Yeah. And It's. I took a ton of art classes in college. I've always been artistic and creative, but I was never a great fine arts painter. I don't, I can can draw a little bit. I I think I could probably draw well if I practiced and practiced and practiced, but I don't have a ton of patience for that. And so when I took up abstract painting a couple of years ago, I loved doing it and people started buying it from me and I had a hard time. Maybe this is, you know, it's a little bit like that imposter syndrome and I'm wondering how that kind of fits into this whole perfectionism piece. But I, people would say, well, you really should do art shows and I would be hesitant to apply to an art show because in my mind, only artists applied to art shows. Right. And it was, I was a therapist. And so I had this kind of rule. Well, I don't really want to, I don't want to have that. I mean, I must have this secret rule that people who are therapists during the day can't also be artists. I I've since gotten past that. I mean, I, I, do a lot of shows. Well, yeah. I did before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I sell a fair amount of art. So it's it's interesting to me that if I waited for something that I thought was perfect, I would never do those shows because I wasn't a full time artist. Yeah. And I guess I kinda had in my head that only full time artists could sell at art shows.
1: Right. John mentions one that he struggles with in the book is if it doesn't come easily, it's not worth doing. I think a lot of people probably identify with that. If you think something is hard, then it must not be for you or you must be, you know, too stupid or too whatever fill in the blank to do it just because it's hard. And I, you know, I would definitely say that's not true.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'll bet people have like, oh, that's a man's thing or only women do that. And they have, and I bet people have wow. gender rules that they probably, pr- that prevents them from trying something.
1: Or age rules. Think about what, you know, we just talked about yes. to school. Are, am I too old to go back to school? These are all or yeah. they're all secret rules that we've created for ourselves And they just prevent us from starting and ultimately finishing the things that we set out to do.
0: Yeah. So it's going to be super important for people to kind of drill down the whys. What would that mean? I have this technique I use with clients and, you know, they'll say, well, I can't. Well, what would it mean if you did? Well, blah, 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 blah. So what would that mean? Blah, 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 blah. And what would that mean? And ultimately, what do you think everybody always gets to? I I don't know. A fear. Well, yeah. Or (laughs) always, it's always going to be in this case, I'll bet you 99% of the time it's a fear of failure. Yeah. I,
1: I think that we've been, and you know, I've mentioned this before and, This has been drilled into my head just because this is what Dustin studies, but, you know, oftentimes people think it's not noble to quit something and they're worried that if they do quit it or, or, you know, don't finish that they've failed. So that, you know, that would play into your fear theory and we're surrounded by this in our culture, you know, never give up, never, ever, ever give up, like just keep going Mm -hmm. It is it is perfectly fine and acceptable and noble to quit if you want to. Now, mm-hmm. don't quit because you're scared or don't quit because it's hard. I would say that, you know, that's probably not good. But yeah, if you if you've decided that this just isn't what you want anymore, I think don't let yourself stay with it well, because you're afraid of failure, of quitting.
0: Yeah, and here we kind of come back around to that point of what to bomb, right? That it's, earlier in this conversation, you gave me permission not to finish those projects because I was, now I'm disinterested. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I can let them bomb. Yes. Because it's unimportant to me now. So... The fear, and and like I said, there's this element, and it is fear. Go back and listen to our episode about fear. Fear of judgment, fear of failure, fear of criticism. All of those things are big reasons why I have put things on the back burner. I mean, you know, if I have a project... My one of my daughters is hanging out with me for a little while. And I when when I often talk about making macrame or trying macrame because I really wanted to do this big wall hanging, but I suck at macrame. <laughs> <laughs> and the one piece that I did, she has hanging in her room. She goes, Mom, you don't suck. And I'm like, em, I do. That's the only piece that anybody ever liked. And she goes, oh, Well, a lot of my my friends like it. Everybody always comments on it. I'm like, but it's the uh, every other piece I did. People would like another daughter went. What well, mom? What is that? <laughs> you know, the minute she said that, I'm like, oh man, I suck at macrame. <laughs> or I would get frustrated because I'd be watching YouTube videos and they'd be tying the knots and I'd have to stop and back it up and take my knots out and try it again. And that was way too much freaking effort. I, I, I'm not into doing all that. Yeah. So it's okay for me to say, I'm going to let my desire for macrame bomb. <laughs> yeah.
1: You can always just buy beautiful macrame from someone else who who does that?
0: <laughs> Precisely. See, we all have our own talents and gifts.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we can support one another, yes. So, okay, well, that is really all I had for now. That's definitely not all that's in the book. There are some some pieces after this that I didn't touch on, but I'm gonna let that be a cliffhanger so that people go and read it because I really did find a ton of value in this book. And I think that a lot of people would, so.
0: Cool. I think it's important to point out also that if you read enough self-help books, you're essentially going to find that they all kind of say the same thing. Yes. (laughs) But they all say it a little bit differently and what this guy has to say about this topic may resonate more deeply than what that guy said about this topic and i think it's i think it's really important to go into your self-help reading with that thought that it's not generally speaking you're not going to get some enlighten new information, but you're going to hear it in an enlightened new way, possibly. Yeah. Right. In, in the same way that you take this economics professor and he is, you know, dull and boring and you take the next one. And even though it might be a macro instead of a micro class, you hear it and compl- and all of a sudden you fall in love with economics. I don't know why anybody would fall in love with the economics, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I hope that everybody stays safe and is taking the necessary kind of precautions to stay safe and keep the people that you love who are at risk safe. Um, and we really appreciate that you joined us today. So, uh, for next week, we are going to be talking about adaptation, and that's uh, going to be an interesting subject as well. So, again, thanks for being here. Stay, stay sa- safe, everybody. This is Leslie and Leslyn. Hoping you will try this at home.
1: All perspectives and opinions
0: expressed during this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. There is no direct or indirect intention to provide psychotherapy or mental health services. If you are seeking counsel for individual circumstances, please consult with a local health
1: professional.